it took me a long time to get to, oh my goodness, we're doing massive deals at Microsoft. Oh my, that is a lot faster than I thought we were doing business. And then the scale is just phenomenal, right? Like it's, I don't think people really understand that our sales teams talk to, you know, 500 partners. Like it's a lot of, a lot of work. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. How to achieve your greatest results. It's why so many listeners have come to rely on this podcast. I try to do my best to bring guests to this podcast to help you learn and grow your business. From peeling back the complexities of the tech giant to learning from the best in the business. And it's why I invited my next guest to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. As Director of Partner Development at Microsoft, Cameron Lim works with many ISV partners to help them accelerate their success. Cameron's work with ISVs is critically important as Microsoft looks to help more and more ISV partners build on their success in brand, market, and selling. Cam and I have a super informative discussion that I believe will be of great value to any ISV and frankly, any partner looking to step up their game with Microsoft. I love my conversation with Cam as he's a no-nonsense and unconventional leader. And he's on a mission to drive extraordinary results for the partners he manages. I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I enjoyed welcoming Cameron Lim. Cameron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Vince. Awesome to be here. So we have had the opportunity to work together as your organization is so pivotal to partners, some of which my organization works with. But for our listeners, can you describe your organization's mission? Absolutely. So I'm responsible in the U.S. for a program called Assisted Growth. We have about 350 partners in the program. And what our mission is, is to help those partners find value selling with Microsoft. So we have three motions in the partner ecosystem at Microsoft, build with, sell with, and GTM. And so we focus primarily on the sell with motion, making sure partners understand how to execute effectively with Microsoft. And you mentioned GTM, and we've had Heather Deegans, who is the vice president of Microsoft Global Partner Solutions Marketing Organization. But for our listeners who don't understand the function of that organization, can you dive a little bit more deeply into that? I think of it as top of funnel activity. So it's really working on a number of fronts, trying to identify ways to help our partners access our customers. So it could be anything from sponsoring a podcast. It could be doing a sales campaign with our partners. So there's a lot of areas that we work with our partners around GTM. It could be how they do SEO on their website, right? So there's a lot of different things we do. I think the most interesting area is really around the commercial marketplace and the benefits that we provide around those marketing activities that scale with the 
amount of, of commerce that you do through our marketplace. So Cameron, how does your team measure success? We talk about often about the scorecard and how Microsoft, being this highly matrixed organization, uses several inputs to measure success. But how does your team specifically measure success? <laughs> Scorecards. It's a great question. I think of it more from the partner angle. And I try it, like I did use a little Microsoft vernacular in there. It's really revenue and number of customers using the Microsoft-based solution. So it's really revenue and number of customers that we are there to help our partners succeed around. So on the partner side, it's really revenue growth and deal like wins, deals closed. In Microsoft vernacular, it tends to be Azure consumption and wins, but it's really just get, helping everybody drive revenue. We're measuring sales effectiveness. So are we talking about the partner's revenue or just the Microsoft revenue? Both. So we talk a lot with our partners about where they're trying to grow revenue. Is it net new licenses? Is it expanding in an account to drive bigger licenses? Are they at the stage of growth where they're trying to track million dollar deals? So there's a lot of conversation around how the partner is valuing the partnership and where they're attributing the value to. So we'll get into it in some of your next questions because it definitely walks right into some of the challenges partnering with Microsoft. We have partners coming through many different channels. So it could be coming from Microsoft startups. It could be coming from our enterprise recruit motions. The criteria for the program really is having an incentive eligible solution and having a pipeline to work with. That's the bare minimum of what we're looking for to engage. So usually you have a Microsoft person sponsoring you into the program. That's really how I see it. And we add partners and move partners out of the program every quarter. So they graduate out of the program, potentially. It's part, well, we think of it as part of the partner journey. So we recruit partners, then we try and activate sales, and then we dig in deeper with you along the journey. So as you know, we focus this podcast on how to optimize for success with the tech giants like Microsoft. What attributes do you see from the best organizations? There's probably three things I think about. There's obviously many different ways to partner with Microsoft, and people have been doing it for many, many years. Today, in the environment that we're selling into, and then the environment called Microsoft, really one of the biggest things is having a growth mindset. You really have to think differently of how to work with us. We've done a lot of change in how we partner. And so it does take many of my partners a little bit to kind of get their heads wrapped around that and not get frustrated. So that's why I highlight growth mindset. I think number two, you really have to be wanting to be selling in a collaborative manner, not as the primary person. It's a team sell that we do with our customers. So it's a better together story that's really critical. And I think the last one, again, no particular order, but number three is customer centric and adding value to our customers. Because that's really what we're focused on at Microsoft is adding value to our customers through first party products, through third party solutions. That's really one of the key components of being successful with us. So you mentioned growth mindset. And I just love that because as you might know, I believe that growth mindset is fundamental to success. I mean, Satya brought this into the organization seven years ago, and I believe it's fundamental to any organization that wants to partner with effectively with Microsoft or with any other organization. And then you mentioned this team selling. You need to, and this ties into the growth mindset conversation, right? Because 
You need to apply a growth mindset. You need to apply a team selling mindset where many resources, more than one resource is involved. And there's a collaboration that takes place between the sellers in order to affect the best outcomes. Absolutely. I mean, the models of selling have changed, right? Like it used to be, oh, get the big all you can eat license. You could take it down with one person, but those license deals were millions of dollars, not hundreds of millions of dollars. It was one product, not 20 products coming together as a solution. So I think that has changed the partnering ecosystem. I've done it for 20 years. While many things have changed, it hasn't changed. Like it's working with partners is complex and it's a sales effort. Now we have different motions where we are building solutions and doing the integrating and partnering part. So that build with motion is really important. At the end of the day, though, is what customers are adopting that solution and the velocity of that. So I think it took me a long time to get to, oh my goodness, we're doing massive deals at Microsoft. Oh my, that is a lot faster than I thought we were doing business. And then the scale is just phenomenal, right? Like it's, I don't think people really understand that our sales teams talk to, you know, 500 partners. Like it's a lot of, a lot of work. It's something I think about quite a bit. I love both the premise and perhaps the promise of co-selling. But at the end of the day, it's hard to fulfill because you have capacity issues on both sides. You have human factors and there's just so many hours or resources to support all these efforts across so many partners. Microsoft is such a partner-centric organization, but there are issues here with scale. How do you effectively make it scale? I try and make sure that we break the system <laughs> because I agree there is a scaling issue and there is a issue around some of those commitments that we make because Microsoft, like in my last role, I did have multiple strategic partners that I partnered with. I had the choice of which one to focus my attention on. And just like a partner focuses their attention on Microsoft or other people that they're working with, it's really important to understand what you're trying to do. Are you trying to is your focus, I want to work with a partner that gets me a great press release? Is my focus, I want to work with a partner that helps my solution be more elegant from an integration perspective and a more complete? And so my focus has always been, how do I get access to the customer the quickest to drive revenue? And so Microsoft is great that way. It's just that, that when you talk about growth mindset, that's a sales thought process that I ran with Microsoft and that I run with Microsoft. When you get partners that think of You'll get technical ones that think very heavily on the integration. It's like build it and it'll come. Engineering mindset, right? That's the engineering mindset. Then there's the marketing mindset. Microsoft will get me leads, which I always question because no one ever talks about the next part of that statement is what kind of leads? Because we know there's MQLs, there's SQLs, there's all kinds of leads. Well, how quickly is that gonna, going to turn into revenue, especially when you have six to nine month enterprise sales cycles, right? So so when I can identify partners that will struggle when they come and say, I'm going to teach Microsoft my solution so they can help me sell it. And I'm like, mm, no. So that is kind of the pitchy, like as sales guys, that's what we're asking them to do is to be able to articulate the value proposition of the, the solution to the customer. It's just, there's a second step in there of how we work together. And it's a sales motion. It's not a marketing motion. It's not an engineering motion. And so when you say scale, yeah, it does scale. It just does differently. So like in the old days, I mean, probably 10, 15 years ago, um, sales go 20 years ago when we were putting CRMs in, go 10 years ago. And we were saying, you know, I remember being asked in interview questions six years ago from an old Oracle person, 
how do you generate pipeline? How do you then close a deal? Then how do you do the big deal? And so we've, we've broken that up. There's an inside sales team that helps the marketing team qualify and accelerate qualified opportunities to the sales guy. We also have sales desks, you know, operations desks, desks for doing the really large deals because they get complicated and how you do your contracts and everything, right? So I think what the really successful partners do is they grasp that and they actually invest heavily in a partner sales organization to help align their organization with Microsoft because we're big. And despite what everybody thinks, we're not changing. Like we're going to continue to evolve and keep going in a direction. And then the partners are going to figure out with the help of PDMs and people like my team, how they best um, snap into our motions. Yeah. And the last part is on that scaling part is, you know, I got caught up in it as well because we talk about co-sell. That word like in the old days, portal was used too. And portal meant many different things. Coso means many different things. But at Microsoft, if you want to be a lot clearer, it is seller to seller engagement. It's deeper in the funnel. So it's trying to help provide insights, get help you navigate roadblocks, and really help find other opportunities within our install base through our sellers. There is also Marketplace, which is accelerating. And we've Microsoft has made a lot of investments to encourage our customers and our sellers to procure solutions that way. So that really helps the late stage of your funnel and the procurement. And the last one is really taking advantage of our partner ecosystem. And in Marketplace, there are now ways to do that. You can leverage CSPs to resell your solution. So all of them are there. They're in different phases of evolution and depending on how you take advantage of them. So I think that when you ask the scaling question, if you only look at it one dimensionally, uh, yeah, it will struggle. But we're not. We're looking at many different ways to help provide value, like that statement that I said at the beginning, how do we provide value so you can sell and grow quicker? And that's really what we're trying to do. And you know, you talked about 20 years ago, and there's a partner that we both know is in your ecosystem. And he and I have had these conversations, right? Like it was very different co-selling with Microsoft 20 years ago. You know, he would just show up at an event. Maybe you would sponsor or host a big party. You'd meet a bunch of Microsoft sellers and then you'd go co-sell with them. And it's not like that anymore. And you talked about you know, what is the premise of co-selling? What exactly is co-selling? Is it deal velocity? Is it close win ratio? Is it actually walking in the door and selling together, removing roadblocks? Absolutely. Just, yeah. And I think that just on that one, that, that I think people's, it is definitely generational events. I still have partners saying, well, I just need to go meet the sales reps and then we'll have wild success. And I'm like, no, like, at some point that does happen. What we're trying to do is filter out the partners that talk a good game, but don't execute the good game. And I have a lot of them, right? Like I, I can tell you, I'm thinking of one right now that I just said you had to do one thing and I'm 60 days later and they haven't done the one thing. It wasn't a complicated essay for college graduate, you know, going for college, right? It was just like literally going into partner center and hitting a button. It's just prioritization and how you do it. I think that you do get what I always have loved about working with Microsoft is the people are amazing, right? So yeah, I agree. So you do get that. It's just that what we're looking for is the bar is higher. You know, it's millions of dollars that we're looking that that we're helping support you drive. And it's hundreds of customers, right? That's the scale that we're looking at. And once you start grasping that, then you're like, oh, wow, that if I it's not hard to get to. It's just we have to see it through our systems. You know, you made a comment here earlier you know, we're not changing, we're evolving. 
like Microsoft is verticalizing. You're getting much more specific in vertical areas. Each vertical has its own vice president and sales team and solution technology unit, customer success organization. And you as a partner need to invest in engaging across all of these vertical organizations. And some of these organizations don't have the same level of specificity, right? They just have like an enterprise selling team, a down market selling team. And what you're saying in these organizations is like, you need to invest. Like, we're not changing. We're growing. We're evolving. Why would a partner, what would you say to a partner about making these types of investments? I just think the, the scale and the revenue that, that is being invested in technology is just different than when I grew up in technology. I mean, I think that, and it's that growth mind. It, it all comes back to that growth mindset. You just have to think of it differently. And if you can't get to think of it differently, like I have unicorns in my program. So yeah, you have a billion dollar valuation. So you did a really good job raising money. I like there's still sales execution that we're working on. And we've been working on trying to train our sales team on a type of sales process, a type of full solutioning to with our customers, not looking very myopic at one of our 50 solutions that we could offer, right? So I think if you think you have all the answers, it's a challenge, definitely. But that's probably one of the biggest areas that we struggle with our partners is, well, we're big enough, we have enough name recognition, so Microsoft will change. And I'm like, it's so, I wish we will be flexible, but it doesn't mean you're going to change us. And so if you come in with that mindset of changing, it's really just beating your head against the wall for a long time. And that's your path. I just know that there's other ways that you can be more successful. And it's really back to that value to the customer and how we can offer that. And so we do really unique things around value to customer. Once the partners show their, once the partner shows that, that customer value and they do it at scale, we're all in. We're all in the whole time. It's just that we, we can devote more resources because it's a lot clearer on how we work together. And what does that look like for a partner? Like, how does that manifest? For me, it meant like when I was doing it and when I see partners in my portfolio, like we're looking at plus million dollars worth of revenue that, that you're generating on Microsoft platforms or partner is probably 10 to $20 million of revenue. And then for scale, it's hundreds to 300 customers really adopting your technology with us, right? So 100 COSOL wins, millions of dollars of ACR. I think that's the starting place. Frankly, it's just dipping your toe in the water at that scale. And then it's a lot more for the initiatives and what we want to bring to bear to do it. Like we we are a trillion dollar valuation. Like you have to do a lot of deals. There's so many partners in the ecosystem, what, 400,000 plus partners now. They all can't be managed. They all can't be part of this partner assist. So you mentioned this misconception that, you know, Microsoft will change. You know, we're a billion dollar unicorn. What other misconceptions do you see with the organizations that you manage or have purview to? My favorite is that I have really good sellers. And so they'll partner with Microsoft. I can train them to do that. I, that one makes me giggle every time I hear it. I've done it for 20 years. It's never happened. So when they can, if they could do that, I'm joining. It's just there's too much for a sales rep to do. So that, that one is entertaining to me because it's just complicated to do. Like It's easy to have the sales team engage with Microsoft sellers. It's not easy to get the value in the follow-up, right? And it takes a concerted effort to do that. So the corollary to that is co-selling with Microsoft doesn't work because Microsoft doesn't care. And I'm like, yeah, did you make a follow-up call? No, nope. They didn't call me back. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Right. And I think the other one is 
like the, like you were mentioning, I go meet them. The old ways don't work the same. So sending an email to me when I get 200 emails a day, is that going to get through my noise filter? Right. So there are definitely patterns that aren't as old. Like email is not that old, but there's ways that, that we communicate that just aren't as effective. You know, I think that, and I, and that's why we help partners work through that, hit that roadblock, move on. To me, it's really that like that investment in sales is that partner investment. And so I've seen partners have wild success, like wild. It's like I go talk to a Microsoft rep and they bring me five opportunities. Like that's wild. Yeah. And why do they have that? Like what causes them to get that level of success? They get that success because the conversation they're having snaps into Microsoft sales plays from a solution area perspective or an industry perspective. So that's one piece. The second piece, the customer's asking for that value they're taught, they're discussing. So they had a sales conversation of where they're engaged with the customer. So the rep, you're giving the rep the easy button because you're saying, this is how our customers are buying it. Here's where I'm at. This is what's going on. The sales rep goes, oh, I get it. So some solutions don't go that aren't that simple. Even the solution I sold initially, it took me three months. I remember working with the sales team in Europe saying, I had already refined the message and the sales team says, I don't get the better. I don't understand your better together story. I'm like, what do you mean you don't understand the better together story? I've talked to 200 reps and 199 understood it. So there's the growth mindset. So I was like, just going to sit and do the same story. And I go, okay, okay, I get it. So then I changed it and I got more adoption by the sales teams because they snapped into what I was saying quicker. And that's really what we're trying to do, help our partners is it's not depth that we're looking for. It's simplicity that we're looking for that helps us understand how we can help you be more successful. Yeah. You know, I always talk about, I reference the shiny quarter in a bucket of shiny quarters, right? So partners come to the table and they've got, you know, maybe it's six things that they do well, but you really need to narrow it down to like, what is that one thing, that one thing that separates you from all the rest, right? And how does that snap into, you know, you reference the solution areas, like how does that snap into the plays or the solution areas that Microsoft is focused on? And you talked about, and I like to refer to it as maniacal focus. Like we had this conversation, right? We had the great meeting and then 60 days later, nothing happened. Oh, I didn't hear back from Microsoft. And my comment back is like, well, what did you do to initiate? Like, what did you do beyond that to engage with Microsoft? It's that, and it's just being patient, right? Like we're running really fast. So it's, it's entertaining. You'll meet with a CVP, you'll meet with an executive and you'll go, oh my goodness, but what is, why aren't we doing anything? Well, there has to be activity and an, a good ask, right? But you'll meet with them a quarter later and it'll be like, we just talked to you yesterday. Like we're going so fast, right? And one of my strengths over the years has always been just a persistent drip. There's no, you're not going to hear me come back and be impatient have a snippy email. Like I don't do that. Like I just know that persistence pays off. The value I bring to my customers, I'm confident in it and I keep engaging so that I can be effective. I mean, I remember having to talk to a Microsoft seller. It took me like a half a dozen times. I did email, I did text, I did other things to get connected to them. Went to um, another Microsoft person to get connected. When we finally connected, we had an amazing conversation. None of, there was no, oh, you shouldn't have reached out to me that much. It was just, man, I was slammed. I had a QBR. I had a, a training. I had all these things. So there's just a lot going on in the Microsoft world. So I just think you have to learn the techniques that work really well with Microsoft and stick with them. 
Yeah, and know that, you know, Microsoft cares. Microsoft genuinely cares. But, you know, you mentioned like 200. I used to get at least 300 emails a day in my inbox. And it's just so much noise you have to filter through. So let's help partners cut through the noise. You know, it's funny. I had Gail Mercer McKay on recently. We talked about cutting through the noise. What can partners do to optimize for success and cut through the noise? Well, really to understand the systems we've put together for scale. So the partner center solution is the best way to access the Microsoft sellers. And it gives you the visibility that's required at Microsoft for us to continue to invest in you. So I think Microsoft has listened to partners. It used to be a dozen websites and now it's one website. I don't think that solved the problem and I don't think we listened quite right. But when I look at Partner Center, there's three areas that I want to make sure that I have access to. So number one is, and I mentioned it earlier, I just want access to install base customers the simplest way possible without the, with the least amount of interaction, right? So, and that's really that sharing of an, an opportunity or an active sales cycle with Microsoft. And it scales, it works. Is it easy? No, but I've nothing's easy and it never has been easy. Like this is not something new in the partner world. It works and I've done... Myself, I've probably shared three to 500 opportunities and talked to that many reps, right? So I know it works. So that's probably number one. Number two, marketplace, I mentioned at the beginning, if you're doing a transact solution, you need to be really familiar with marketplace rewards. Microsoft is investing in incredibly there. there. I always get asked like, hey, can I do this case study? Hey, can I do this? Hey, can I do that? If you're transacting with the marketplace, the answer is yes, 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 and yes. So you just have to know where that is in Partner Center. And the last one is we also invest and put incentives out for different areas of growth for solutions. So unfortunately, you have to make sure that you know where that is in the in Partner Center and see if you're a part of that program. You can get information from my team, but it's just to make sure that, that you have done what, what's required to access those funds. And a lot of partners, like we're hundreds of thousands of dollars, aren't executing there. And so we try and remind, but there's work that the partner has to do. So those are kind of the three areas. There are a lot of people that either they're not as familiar as they should be with Partner Center, or they just don't focus enough energy there. And that's one of the things we try to do with the workshops that I do with my partner, Aaron Feiger. Yeah. So to me, and then if I, I hate to sit in tooling because it's really not a tooling thing. It's really that Partner Center activates the seller motion. So it helps you get that mid-funnel acceleration. That's really what I, why I focus there. And then the second area is building a transact solution offer because that helps you with your fulfillment and procurement cycle. So those are the two big areas that you want to invest in the most. And then the third one is, as you start scaling, you have to invest in a partner team. Right? You have to do, invest in partner sales. So fundamental. So fundamental to success. Thank you for sharing that with us, Cam. So getting crisp and clear and using partner center, I'll call it the megaphone, right? Yeah. And then the marketplace. And, you know, as I said earlier, I think we're just at the very beginning of this precipice around marketplace and the use of marketplaces and investing in resources. I mean, from the very beginning of this podcast, I remember one of my very first guests saying, an alliance manager is worth their weight in gold in terms of driving the business. Let me just say one last thing on that, because I think that investment part, the partner, you get involved in these relationships and you go, I'll just put a person against it. And so it's simple. But to scale it, you have to actually then go through that thought process of what is the value I'm getting out of it. The sooner that the partner starts understanding value and attributing it, the better they can invest. And so that's a a conversation that I spend a lot of time with partners on is 
if we can't show value in your language, not Microsoft's language, because I know my language, if you can't show value in your language, though, I can point to 100 partners that have diminished the investment and then had not the success they're looking for. So it does come along the way. Just as another thought. Peel back on that for a second. Like, give me an example. So I've talked a lot about sales. So in the last week, I probably had five conversations around how do you that how do you put attribution against it? So at Microsoft, we do attribution, right? So I told you a co-sell and, and Azure consumption. But if you're a partner, how are you giving credit for Microsoft for providing insights at an account? What credit are you giving Microsoft for passing you, you know, passing you an opportunity or getting rid of a roadblock? All of that is value added to the partnership. Did you include the incentives that we have as a part of the program? Like a lot of partners don't. I've seen partners with millions of dollars of incentives. They don't know where that goes and they don't attribute it to the partnership. So at the end of the day, there's a, there is a big bucket. We talked about build with, sell with, and marketing. So that you do have to, in your mind, have attribution levels for like my CEO at my last gig. Number one thing was press because we were still VC funded and we were looking for another round. So press with Microsoft was a huge commodity. Like not a commodity item, but it was a huge value add. So if I could get a press release, there was a lot of value associated with that. And he would, that funded two headcount for me by getting the press release, right? So every company has to identify how they're going to do that value proposition. The other way that I did it was to tie my partner team to sales. So I built comp plans that look like sales comp plans is nothing new. I've done it for 20 years and that's how I got into the partner business, but it was about uplifting and accelerating sales. Sales has to buy into that, right? So they have to say that there's value in it. And if they say there's value in it, which is what I spent a lot of time up front with partners, I don't let them get away with, oh, that was a valuable call. I'm like, how valuable and how much money, right? And that's how you have to start having that conversation early because there is a stage three, six, nine months out that that conversation is what's stopping you from moving forward. That attribution piece you mentioned is so fundamental. And I think a lot of organizations still struggle here with the attribution because it isn't a heroic sales effort, as we discussed earlier. It is a team sport. And just recognizing all of the pieces, all of the steps involved is fundamental. Yeah. And I'm not, attribution doesn't diminish the value of the sales team. It doesn't diminish people, right? Like attribution provides insight on how you can scale and grow. So good. Now, Cameron, you might know here, I'm going to shift gears. As you know, I am fascinated with how people got to this spot in their career. And I was wondering with your career specifically, was there a pivot point? Was there some seminal event that got you on the path to where you are today? And specifically, was there like a best piece of advice along the way? Well, we could spend the whole podcast on this conversation. So I have a degree in chemical engineering and I practiced in the field for five years. So I went to work for Shell Oil coming out of college as a chemie in Houston, Texas. I don't think that there's any individual comment, but it was me more processing and figuring out what was best for me because I didn't do it early on. So the sooner that you can find your values and what makes you tick, I think the better off you are. And for me, it was a journey. And I, found, I figured out at, at work in a chemical plant, making BPA of all things, that I worked really well in complex situations through a lot of people. So at a, at a refinery, you have engineers, you have contractors, you have union, you have a lot of different people that help you be successful and produce products safely. So I figured out that I was really good at 
helping everybody do their job and working through a lot of different people. So I migrated towards more of a sales environment. And then in 2000 came into really the partner ecosystem and have done that ever since. So that was the big shift for me. And then at Microsoft, the reason I came to Microsoft is I've done all the big partner programs. So we don't need to name them, but we know who all the big ones are. And I've done them all at different startups and companies along the way. This was the best. And so I wanted to come help partners be successful. So that's how I got here. And I like being close to you know that, that purchasing process, that, that value add, and partners are really integral in that. And that's why I, I got to where I got. It's fascinating to me. You went from chemical engineer to technology. Was there like a pivot point? That shifted you there? The first pivot was at my, it wasn't that courageous. I went to sales at Shell. So I went to the East Coast in a remote sales territory. The sales manager came down, told his wife, Well, I hired this guy, but I don't know if he's going to work. He's an engineer. I'm probably going to be there a week with him, so I won't be home. And he left a day later, (laughs) said, Oh, he'll figure it out. So I had a really great grounding with 30 shell dealers, learning what sales looks like and what matters and how to do the relationship. I had a really concentrated effort doing that. And then I worked my way back. My college roommate worked at a consulting firm and they needed a partner person. And so in 2000, I started with a company called Altro and I met people like one of the, one of our common friends at Microsoft. That's how we met through Vignette. So um, I stayed on the consulting side for probably three or four years, and then switched over and went into software, really content management. So I did different types of content management for 15 years, whether it was video, web, a bunch of different ones. And that's how I, I made my way across. I just, that one felt right. I had opportunities. I did do sales for a little bit. You know, I, in the partner world, I moved to a sales type role with OEM sales. And then at Microsoft, what we do is, you know, it's in the name. It's co-selling. So it is sales again. And so that, so it fits really well with that value proposition of complex deals, lots of people, lots of pieces as a part of it. So that's kind of how I made my way across. But it was a lot through friends and relationships that I got along the way. So I like to have a little bit of fun now, Cam. We've been listening to Spotify. I've become a big fan of Spotify. And we've been asking a lot of our guests recently if they could help us build the playlist. And if you could build a playlist with only five songs, these are five songs you would take into the future for the foreseeable future. What would those five songs be and why? It's a great question. I love it. Uh, As music has been in my life for a long time, I will go with some stuff that my kids are listening to. So number one and two are both more generational now. So Follow You by Imagine Dragons. I love the message around it and the acceptance of others. So it's a very interesting song from the lyrics. They have a great story. The the lead singer has a fascinating story. The next one would be Save Your Tears. It almost relates to Cosell to some degree, but it is The Weeknd has a wonderful voice and the duet with Ariana Grande is, it's a great duet. And then I'm going to switch gears out of my kids kind of playlist to more classic. So anything by Billy Joel, but specifically Lullaby. It's a great little piece. You didn't strike me as a Billy Joel fan. Like, that's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I love Billy Joel. And then the next one would be, it's again in this, you know, if you're by yourself, you need a little bit to put you to sleep. So Sound of Silence, not the cover by Disturbed is amazing. 
So not the cover, oh, but you do mean the cover by Disturb, correct? So Simon Garfunkel are amazing and it's a great song, but the cover that Disturb does just because the, the genre shift and the lead singer's voice is just amazing. I just like it better in the ballad versus the, the screaming form. <laughs> yeah, it's darker too. Like if it's the one I'm thinking about, it's a pretty dark and ominous sounding version. It's dark, it's heavy. It's, it's- and yeah, I mean, I just love Sounds of Silence. I love the lyrics to that song. What a great classic. And then the last one would be, let's take it back all the way to uh, my perspective on partnering with Microsoft. And so the song is All I Do Is Win, and it's by DJ Khaled, I always say it wrong, and T-Pain. So All I Do Is Win. And Snoop Dogg is on that, right? Ludacris. Oh, oh, Ludacris. All right. Well, I'm excited to share this list. We're going to share this as part of our show notes with our listeners, and I'm looking forward to listening to some of these songs. So, Cam, you've been an amazing guest, and I love this, I'll call it authentic, even raw conversation. And what I'm hoping is our listeners will really pay attention because the work you do, you're not up in the clouds. You are specifically down at the traction level, working with these organizations to make it real and to drive results. And I think some of the learnings here, some of the things that we talk about in this episode are fundamental to getting results working with Microsoft. So thank you. And I want to thank you for your time. I know how pressed your schedule is. I want to thank you for your generosity and sharing so much with us today. I appreciate the opportunity. And like I said through the podcast, I love the Microsoft ecosystem and what Microsoft is doing. It's a great opportunity. Thanks again, Cameron. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page, or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.